Welcome once again to the Chapter 49 podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer and a retiree. I volunteer with Chapter 49 to help out with communications, whatever else people can find for things uh, things for me to do. Uh, we do, uh, at Chapter 49, represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana, but our uh, podcast has grown and uh, people around the country have uh, become fans. We appreciate that. So we not only talk about Indiana, but we talk about issues that might be of interest to people throughout the country who are members of or involved with uh, NTU, uh, the National Treasury Employees Union. Let me welcome uh, Duncan Giles back to our podcast. And Duncan, this is uh, an important date in 2022, the first time I have worn a short-sleeved shirt. But of course, you, Duncan Giles, wear a short-sleeved shirt year round all year round at least i'm consistent in that yes you are and i, and I, I for the if I, and you can't always tell by the, the the way your picture shows if you're watching on video but don't trust me i've known duncan Childs for years i have never seen him wear a long sleeve shirt i don't think you ever have uh i did uh recent most recently for my daughter's wedding when i walked her down the aisle all right I, that will be the one exception where i've seen you shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Duncan, we uh, we have a lot of really serious things to talk about, and there's so many serious stories in the world. I do think there's one very important story we need to talk about, and you are a big uh, Los Angeles Dodger fan. We are recording this the day after the Dodgers star pitcher Clayton Kershaw was taken out of a baseball game after seven innings while he was pitching a perfect game. Now, just call me old-fashioned. But I don't care how shortened your spring training was or how well pitchers are prepared to, to pitch so many pitches and innings in a game. Why would you pull a pitcher pitching a perfect game? At least let him give up a hit before you let him out. Yeah, that was my thing when I saw that this morning. You know, no hitters are not near as rare as they used to be. So if he only had a no hitter, only a no hitter, perhaps I could understand that. But the man's got a perfect game going. I understand shortened spring training. There was a lockout. Maybe his arm strength isn't as good. He had an injury late last year. But the man's a Hall of Famer, you know, in waiting. Let let him see if he can go out and with a perfect game. So I don't understand it myself. Well, I think that, that the manager is going to have a lot of it. He's already tried to explain it, and I've heard all the explanations. But that you know that's something that he will be known for the rest of his career. I'm not sure I'd want that, but. Showing my old-fashioned baseball credentials here, I guess. All right, let's get serious, get to the the issues we need to talk about. Last time we talked on this podcast, we discussed what we thought might happen in testing, but we didn't have uh, the details, at least publicly known, about how the testing program was going to, who would need to be tested, how they would be tested, circumstances around the COVID testing. Uh, We know more now. In fact, uh, we know a little more today than we even have known before. So, Duncan, do us a favor, kind of go over what the testing program is about and what we know about it as of this date. Yeah, this is something that NTU has been nationally, has been pressing IRS for, for literally months. What is going to be the testing program? And IRS has um struggled with this i know a lot in my discussions with executives in trying to figure out the right way to do it the to find the right vendor to do it things of that nature and what they came up with is when folks start returning to the office there if you are not 
what they call fully vaccinated, and I'll get into that in just a second, that you have requested a reasonable accommodation, you have um, not been vaccinated, you have not declined, you've declined to put in your status in HR Connect, then if you are going to have either coming into the office or interaction with taxpayers, you will be tested once a week. And how they're going to do that is they're going to mail you these test kits and you are going to get to stick the proverbial uh, test up your nose and they will have a website there for a proctor, what they're calling a proctor, to view this to make sure that you know you have done the test correctly and that it is negative so you can be okay to do this. Um, one of the, my main issues with this has been the fact that fully vaccinated is not a term that is used by the CDC. It is a term that came out when the president did his vaccine mandate. And the testing is totally separate from the vaccine mandate that we'll get into a, a bit later, I believe. But the testing, if you're testing it, it should be for, in my opinion, and in the opinion of medical professionals and folks who do research in this type of field, are you up to date in your vaccinations? And that would include folks who have boosters. Because from what I've read, from you know, experts that I've talked to, if you have not had a booster and it's been several months since your last shot, then you are not up to date with your vaccinations. And being, quote, fully vaccinated is not going to be that much different than not having been vaccinated at all or waiting for a reasonable accommodation. Yeah, it seems like uh, fully vaccinated is a term of art. <laughs> it means <laughs> it means whatever the person's uh, writing or saying it uh, means what it means. I mean, there's the, the meaning to that is not a medical meaning. There's not a medical defined term for fully vaccinated. And as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, fully vaccinated as defined in this guidance on on the testing for IRS employees, that all you have to have. Uh, is either one J&J or the two Pfizer or Moderna's to start off with. The boosters aren't even a part of this. And as you say, the medical community is saying the boosters are are very important, particularly for people in the older age groups and, and with certain uh, medical conditions. Yeah, they're going by the standard that was set in the executive order, which I understand. Um, but that fully vaccinated is not a valid term anymore for something that we're doing to test to see if someone actively is carrying COVID, whether they have, whether they are asymptomatic or not. So, you know, doing this to me is, um, is going to be a lot of effort and a lot and a lot of taxpayer money for something that I do not believe is going to be effective. And when I hear the IRS say that they are concerned they're so concerned about the health and safety of their employees. That gives me a great deal of pause when they use phrases like that. I'm not even going to get into what I, what I uh, actually want to say on that. Let me just say it gives me a great deal of pause. Well, we all knew, and you and I have talked about this in past podcasts going way back, that once a testing program was implemented, it was going to be difficult to find 
uh, a company or a vendor to do it. They found a vendor, but we're not really sure uh, about the qualifications of that vendor. Uh, we, we, we're uh, As an agency, there are people wondering if we have made the right decisions as an agent. We, I, I shouldn't say we, but the agency has made the right decisions. So uh, there are just a lot of question marks uh, on this. And I think th- that's not a good sign as we prepare to get back to the office when people are going to be working in offices uh, at least two days every pay period, maybe more, a lot of people more, a lot of people more often than that, beginning on uh, June the 25th. So by the end of June, we're all supposed to be back to the regular uh, before the evacuation order issue, you know, situation issue, whatever. And uh, we want to make sure if there is a testing, and I don't want to make this point, and, and you've made this before, we are talking about a low percentage of employees. But the IRS has sent tens of thousands of employees. So even if there's a, a small percentage number of employees who are not, quote-unquote, fully vaccinated, uh, we still have a lot of people who are going to need this testing. So uh, I think uh, at this point, the agency has to be very careful how this testing program is implemented. So uh, what, I guess what I'm getting from you is that you've been talking with lots of people involved in this, and there are some questions being asked. Yeah, it was, from my understanding, extremely difficult to find a company that would be able, willing and able to do this. And just having uh, recently found some information out about this company, uh, it gives me another great deal of pause uh, that they're going to be able to handle this. I hope they are. And I hope the IRS is doing their due diligence in making sure that every safeguard is going to be taken care of, that these companies uh, that they're having, the company that they're having do it, uh, has adequate safeguards for employee information, is having the right type of professionals uh, do this type of work, things of that nature. Because there have been some questions that have come up. I do not know this company personally. I have not investigated this. But I do know that there are some questions swirling about this, and we want to make sure, and when I say we, I'm talking about your local NTU leaders, national NTU for darn certain, want to make sure that this is done right, and it's done safely, and it's done for the health and safety of the employees. And so if there is any concern, we want to make sure that those are alleviated um, because of this program is very important. So this is something NTU will be involved with to the extent we can legally, and uh, we'll be keeping you updated on this as well because uh, we still have some weeks to go before this is all fully implemented, although it's certainly in motion now. We will keep an eye on that, and on this podcast, we will continue to uh, let you know what we know as of that time. Let's move on to a related issue, not exactly that. Uh, We talked about this last time. Uh, We have a a court decision from a federal appeals court in New Orleans that uh, basically says that the federal government, that the president of the United States has the legal right to require vaccines. So a vaccine mandate for federal employees is legal. It had been found illegal in a district court. Appeals court overturned that. But we're now beginning to to see how the wheels of the law move slowly because at that point, the appeals court didn't just strike it down. The appeals court made their decision, remanded the issue back to the 
district court who now has to take action based on that guidance. So we're still waiting for those wheels to turn. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, you might like to eat sausage, but you don't want to see how it's made. And this is the same type of thing for, uh, you know, the machinations that go into things like this uh, court case, because at this point, um, there are still several steps that have to be done before a mandate can be re-implemented. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to depend on, um, you know, steps the government has to take, uh, what the plaintiffs who have raised this case, what steps they're going to take and do. And then, you know, once that's resolved, then it has to go to OPM and OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, is going to have to direct the agencies, including the IRS, on how they want to get this re-implemented. So nothing's going to be happening quickly, but we just want folks to know that, you know, what is happening out there at this moment. Yeah, and as we understand it, the IRS, and this is true of most, if not all, federal agencies, are not making any changes. They are continuing to hold all discipline in abeyance. They're holding reasonable accommodation requests. And it looks like it's going to be that way until there is some clear guidance from the local court. And then, of course, the things happen from the White House, OPM, and then down to the agency. So nothing is going to happen quickly here. And and anybody who is familiar with the IRS should be very used to nothing happening quickly. All right, so things will not change right away, and they will not. T- sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes not. But in this case, I think some people are happy that we're we're not seeing a major change at this moment. But changes may be coming, just not very quickly. Let's talk about uh, telework, and uh, telework continues to be very important. Most people, a large number of people, I shouldn't say most, a large number of people at IRS have been working from home or their telework location, not the office. Uh, Now that uh, people are beginning to put in their telework uh, applications, their paperwork for telework, something has been coming up that has actually been a part of the contract for a long time. But people, uh, particularly those who maybe had not been able to get telework before and can request it now, are are finding uh, some technical issues here dealing with who is and is not eligible to telework. So Duncan, fill us in on that. Yeah, basically, this comes back from the Telework Act of 2010. How is that for a sexy law title uh, that Congress passed? And it's one of those things that in part of this bill, it said that if there is more, if there is discipline, and they define discipline as a reprimand or more, of uh, for AWOL of more than 40 hours, so 41 hours or more, in your official personnel folder, that's your OPF, not your EPF that your manager keeps you know, on hand, but your OPF, if that's in there, as long as that uh, discipline is in there, you're not allowed to telework. So, for example, a reprimand is typically in your official personnel folder, your OPF, for two years. So if you've had a suspension, in the last two years, over a wall of over forty-one, over forty hours, forty-one hours or more, you won't be able to telework until that reprimand comes out of your OPF. And this has hit a lot of folks in the uh, call sites and the service centers, and I'm sure probably will uh, to a lesser degree in TAS, 
uh, as quite a surprise because it's it hasn't really been that much of a factor beforehand, but it sure is now. Yeah, it's very important to know. And I, I want to zero in on something you just mentioned here because I think a lot of employees uh, get confused on this, the OPF versus the EPF. As you said, the EPF is your employment or employee folder. The manager keeps with your performance information in there. The OPF is is, is maintained at a different place. And, and if you want to know what's in your OPF, that was always a little bit different process. Explain to people how they can find out what's in their OPF. It's not always an easy process. Yeah, they have to request it from their manager, and then the manager has to request it and get a copy of the OPF because they may not have that, you know, that accessible to them. So it's, it's not something that's easily obtained and it's um, more like a permanent record, if you will, where the EPF is uh, fairly transitory things that are happening to you recently. The OPF is basically what's going on in your federal career overall. So if you've, and you know, if you've had a suspension, for, you know, 41 hours or more of AWOL, then, you know, that's going to be in that OPF and that's going to be in there possibly forever. So that would mean that folks like that would not be able to telework. Now, uh, you know, what a lot of people are doing is a lot of chapters I've seen contacting um, their representatives and their senators to try and get this uh, modified a little bit because it is pretty draconian. Um, because this is not an IRS thing. This is this is something that a law that Congress passed, and IRS is simply implementing it. So this isn't anything that NTU and IRS agreed upon. This was a law that Congress passed that we have to abide by. So we're you know we're trying to see what we can do to um, soften it. But in the near term. This is going to be an issue for some people who've had a, uh, if you've had a lot of AWOL and had discipline for it, um, you may want to check with your chapter leaders on what your particular situation might be. You know, Duncan, I was educated grades one through eight by the Sisters of Providence. And they used to tell us, you know, if you mess up, it's going to be on your permanent record. And and I have to tell you, uh, you know, people made fun of them, but yet... Here's a and, and and I say that in jest, but it is a serious matter. Okay. There are situations in your IRS or federal government career where that OPF could put something on your permanent record, which is a serious matter. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, things like job promotions and things of that nature go in your OPF. So, I mean, that's it is a chronicle of your federal career and any potential discipline. Uh, any discipline that you've had would go in that you know, if it's a reprimand or more. So again, we just want folks to be aware of this and to you know understand where it's coming from and why you know if you're yelling at NTU, why can't you do anything about this? We would love to. We would absolutely love to. We think it's too extreme, but it's a federal law. Yeah, and you can't overturn a federal law administratively or through it, even a, a, our process. An arbitrator got that. The arbitrator said, well, the law's clear. Sorry, you're out of luck. So there's really – that does tie our hands. And if you feel strongly about it, let your elected officials know and, and go from there. 
Let's uh, move on to something else. And I know, and I mentioned earlier, we have people around the nation who do watch and listen to this podcast. We appreciate that. It's gone beyond what you and I intended for it to be a couple of years ago when we started this. By the way, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary, Duncan. How have we lasted this long? We haven't been canceled yet. I, I'm I'm surprised that there hasn't been a popular uprising to cancel us. Well. With that in mind, uh, I, I do think that there's one issue we've talked about off and on over the last couple of years, and I can talk about this from a couple of different perspectives. Obviously, as a union official, I could talk about, it, but even as a as a as a government manager dealing with other managers, I kind of saw this as well. We have some very very good managers working at the IRS and other federal agencies, and we should be thankful for them. Uh, they do a very difficult job well, and, and doing that job well is hard work, and it can be really tough at times. Mm. But we have some other managers who maybe aren't, and I saw this with my peers occasionally. I worked with a lot of very good managers too, but every now and then you find one that maybe isn't really, how should I put it, up to the challenge of that job. And you've been hearing some stories lately that there's some local areas, particularly in some of the what we call campuses or service center areas, where they're finding managers that maybe just are not doing the job the right way. Um, I guess since we have so many people, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> listening in various areas of the country, and this can happen in some parts of Indiana as well, uh, talk about how employees and union officials should deal with this issue of some very good managers, but some, how do you deal with a really bad manager, somebody who doesn't seem to understand the law, the contractor, just how to do the job the right way. Yeah. And, and as you said, we've got an awful lot of good managers in the IRS. Good. And I, from frontline to senior managers to executives and to those folks. And I know that there are a lot of them that listen or view this podcast. I want to say thank you for the job that you do and that you do right because it is a tough job, but there are an awful lot of managers out there who view it as, and this is especially true uh, in different call sites um, and especially in service centers. It can be very, very tough. You have to have people skills to be a manager. And a lot of these folks do not have it. And they are simply bad managers. And this, you know, we're all about retention. We don't have enough people. We want to retain people. When you have managers whose mindset is the beatings will continue until morale improves, this does no one any good. And the people that I really blame for this are the senior managers and the executives. If you have managers like this below you and you are allowing this type of behavior, shame on you. You should know better than this. This is not productive for anyone. When you have grievance after grievance after grievance, complaint, unfair labor practices, things of that nature. Don't move that manager around. Do something with that manager because bad managers help no one. So we want people who want to manage for the right purpose. We want those folks to advance, but we need to make sure that corrective action is taken for those managers who make employees' lives a living hell. And believe me, I've talked to people um, in different parts of the country where that does happen. 
Um, we don't find it happens much in Indiana because um, my, uh, you know, I like to jump on them as I like to say with both feet when that happens and with my weight, that's not pretty. Um, our chief steward, Gail Groves, doesn't put up with that type of behavior. But there's a lot of places out there where the culture is much worse and employees are afraid to come to the union because they're scared of retaliation. And some people don't even want to step up to be stewards because they're afraid their manager will retaliate against them. That type of behavior should never, ever, ever be condoned, not much less by a manager, but especially by senior managers and executives. That needs to be stomped out. I can tell you from firsthand experience that our national executives, Tony Reardon, our president, Doreen Greenwald, our vice president. Um, you know, Dan Casper, our chief of operations, uh, field operations, they've all talked to countless IRS executives about this and pointed out bad examples and will continue to do so. So if you're hearing this and you've got a manager that is making your life hell, please contact your chapter about it. If there's retaliation, yeah, this isn't going to be easy. Sometimes these cases are not easy. But we need to make sure that this is brought to light. Bullies don't like to be stood up to. They're going to first fight back, and then they're going to finally back down. We need to stand up to these types of bullies in every situation. And so I just this is something that really, really irritates me because with so many good managers out there, it gives them a bad name when there are managers out there who do things for the wrong reasons or can't handle people. You know, Duncan, we could do a whole podcast just on this, but I'll, I'll just leave it with this comment. Having been a manager for six years myself, I do believe the people above the frontline managers have a very big impact on this. Uh, I had when my, I'll, I'll give her a shout out right here. She recently retired. My first territory manager, my boss as a manager was a lady by the name of Sally Wright, who recently retired. And I can be, I can be very clear. She wanted all of her managers to do the job the right way. And she would have a very direct way of letting you know that. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and I, I actually appreciated that because, uh, when she, you did something she didn't like, she let you know about it and you knew not to ever do that again. But, I, I find a, well, I'm talking to my other managers that I would find at meetings or just, just uh, talk to that she was the exception, not the rule. And that, uh, you know, I think the people above the frontline managers just, just need to keep an eye on things. By the way, Sally, yeah. if you happen to be watching or listening, I don't know if you listen or watch this podcast, I hope you're enjoying your retirement. I know you are and your grandkids. Uh, I see you on social media and I looks like you're enjoying it and I hope you continue to do that. But let's move on. We, we were kind of running out of time here, but uh, we've had our national agreement, which you helped negotiate. Uh, for It's been in effect since October 1 of last year. So if you're an employee, Duncan, where do you find the actual language of the new contract? You talk to your chapter president because right now, as of this moment, that's the only person who's got access to this. Um, this has been another source of frustration During the negotiations, it highly amused our team where they talked about, well, we don't need the paper contracts anymore. Nobody reads the paper contracts. You know, they don't want them. 
I can't tell you the number of employees and managers who've come to me saying, when are we going to get the paper contracts? I need the paper contract. We need to have the paper contract. And right now, because they haven't, um, I hope to God they're finally at the printers, um, but they, you know, haven't even put up a PDF version of this online. You know, the, the copies that chapter presidents have access to are basically scratched up copies with crossouts and things of that nature. So they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So it's it's difficult. And all I can tell folks that are wanting to know where it is online, where's the paper copy, you know, when can we have these? I'm hoping as soon as possible. I know National NTU is pressing hard on this. And um, and I think it's just a matter of between supply chain and finding someone who can do this type of printing that the IRS had some issues in finding somebody. Uh, but my understanding is that they have found somebody. And like I said, I hope at this point they're in print, they're getting printed and they'll be out soon because it is ridiculous to have to wait this long. Something people need to know. I know we have a lot of people who watch and listen who are at or near the retirement part of their life. They're winding down their IRS <laughs> career and preparing to retire and I have some those sa- of you in the KMA club. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> now, what what exactly do you have in that? I know it says it's one thing. What's actually in that uh, container that you just drank out of? Unfortunately, just Canada Dry Zero Sugar <laughs> okay. Ginger Ale. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> trying to uh, to try, trying to stay with the code of conduct. I know. Uh, but uh, retirement processing has reached a, a, a record backlog. So I guess the message, we've mentioned this before, but it's more important now than ever. If you're planning to retire, make sure you have a plan because you're going to have a lowered annuity amount for a number of months until uh, there's a final uh, processing done of your retirement. That does, <clears throat> in the best of circumstances, take several months. It will take more months, sadly, right now. Yeah, that's one of those things, as you said, um, for people that are, and I've given this advice out for the last couple of years, if you're planning to retire, make sure you have a cushion. Uh, If you've got unused annual leave, uh, I hope it's a lot, and I hope that you save that because that's going to have to be your cushion for quite a while until you get your first set of annuity checks, and then that's going to be quite a while after that before they get the actual ones set up um to be correct so it's just it and again it's just bodies they just don't have the bodies or the system to do this rapidly and you know we've come up with this huge huge backlog like it's never been before so it's going to take some time so if you're going to retire plan early plan accordingly and you know just be ready for it i don't uh, yeah, I don't want to stop anybody from retiring because I totally get that, that when folks are ready to go, they're ready to go. But make sure that you plan accordingly with this information. Yeah, I saw a cartoon from a federal employee group uh, today that uh, shows a, cart- a, t- a two-caption cartoon. The first one was a fellow saying, I'm going to live off my thrift savings plan money in retirement. Next caption says, but what am I going to do the next month? <laughs> So plan ahead well. Some people uh, don't think about it until it's too late. Well, today is April 14th. When we record this, we're just days away from the April 18th filing deadline. Uh, last week, you gave a friendly reminder. This week, it's like, you better get it done. 
Yeah. Friendly reminder last week, this week is get your freaking taxes filed on time. Pay, if at all possible, if you owe all of it on time. It's going to create a heck of a lot less headaches for you if you're able to do so. If you can't pay on time, at least file by the deadline. Um, File an extension if you have to, pay what you can, but get it in because you don't want to deal with employee tax compliance. You don't want to deal with them. Your chapter leaders don't want to deal with them. Nobody does. So by all means, it's part of our special thing because we're IRS employees that were held to this standard, but we want to make sure that you file it, pay on time. If you can't pay everything in UO, uh, you know, ask for an installment agreement so you can get that, you know, be in compliance. That's the main thing be in compliance so you won't be a statistic. And this is not just federal, it's state and local taxes as well. Uh, sometimes you have to file more tax returns than just state and federal. I, My daughter, for example, lived in Michigan a few years ago, and she had to file a city tax return. <clears throat> Excuse me, the software I was using really couldn't compute it. I had to basically do it you know, just by hand and try to read the instructions and figure it out. These aren't always easy. So make sure that you are paying all your state, local, and federal taxes, file and pay them on time. Uh, just make sure you're in compliance. And if you have questions about state or local taxes, check with those agencies and make sure that uh, you're getting the help you need to get it done correctly. One interesting sidelight to this, uh, Duncan, you know, I, I, before I went to work at IRS in 1983, I spent a few weeks working for the Defense Department. And a lot of people working in the area where I was assigned had, had to have security clearances to do their job, which would be understandable in, in an agency like uh, Defense. Well, so I read something just today, which is interesting, because in the past, and I, I don't think this is fair, with, especially with the high compliance expectations for IRS employees, you could have a a top-secret security clearance and not have paid your taxes. Well, that's changing, and now people are losing their security uh, clearances that they've had for years and could impact the job that they're doing or their ability to do their job because they have not been tax compliant. And all I can say is IRS employees we're not really shedding any tears for you people who are losing your clearances because you haven't paid your taxes. Yeah. On, on behalf of all the IRS employees out there to those folks who are having that issue, I'd just like to quote John McClain from Die Hard. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> and you're not going to like this party at all. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. We're a little over time, Duncan. Uh, any final comments? Um, just that we've got, Uh, some holidays coming up with Easter, Passover, uh, Ramadan, things of that nature. And what these holidays mean to me is, you know, spend time with who's important to you, who's, who's in your circle, celebrate with your friends and family that really care and support about you. Because, you know, we all work hard. All of you work hard and I'm thankful for everything that everybody that is watching this does, but, you know, you need the time to, uh, reflect, recover, and and be with folks uh, that support you and that you can um, that you can count on. So take that time and just reflect on everything, 
And I hope that everybody has a good holiday, whatever they celebrate. Well, thank you, Duncan. Those are uh, very, very good comments, and I would uh, echo those as well. And I think we should remember, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> having a little trouble today. Uh, I, I think we all need to, to remember that this will be the first year that we will have on the calendar as the year begins, Juneteenth. Now, Juneteenth, if you don't know what it is celebrating, it celebrates the fact that that was the date where the, the last slaves in America were notified that they were free. It took months for that to happen. I believe they were, the, they were the slaves who were in the state of Texas. It just took so much time to get that word out to them. And it sort of was a last-minute thing last year because Congress passed it and the president was very quick to, to get that implemented. But uh, Juneteenth is, is a very important uh, holiday. And uh, the religious holidays, of course, or whatever your belief system may be, uh, yes, it's a time for family and a time to, to reflect. But Juneteenth is the first year we've really had it on the calendar. We know it's coming up. And uh, so that's coming up in June, and we all should just kind of be aware of that. It has been added to our list of holidays. We've had some proposals for new federal holidays, but that's the only one that's been added in recent years. Duncan Giles, thank you very much. Always great to talk to you. And we thank you uh, very much for watching and listening to our Chapter 49 podcast. We wouldn't do this podcast if it weren't for you. And and uh, we are very thankful that people get something out of it, apparently, because they watch us and they, they listen to us uh, each week. If you want to get to our Facebook page, go to NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. We disabled our old page. We have a new one, and if you have trouble finding it, check with Duncan Giles, and he'll get you straightened out on that one. Uh, please, uh, we want to make sure that you're all doing well, and if you have any issues, talk to your local chapter. If you're in Indiana, talk to Duncan Giles or some member of, uh, of his group at Chapter 49. So thank you again. I hope you're enjoying the spring season. Please be safe and be kind. Mm-hmm.